This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 5, Episode 35, Brainstorming and Urban Fantasy. Um, oh, 15 minutes long because I forgot what I was supposed to say. And we're all secretly wizards. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. There's a lot of discussion among us off screen about what to do with this podcast. We eventually decided we're going to try and um, put our money where our mouths are and try and do a quick, really fast brainstorm on a plot, a setting and characters for an urban fantasy. And we're going to start with the setting because um, it seems like the consensus is we need to start there. So okay. let's start building a world Bible. What is the premise? What are we going to do for Sh- our Should we fantasy? base this off of the writing prompt Howard gave us three weeks ago? Um, With the big box, big box stores, stores being the link between our world and the Fae. Okay, big that's box fine. stores are the link between our world and the Fae. Sounds okay. good to me. All right, that's um, good. All right. Location, just to make it easy on us for research, why don't we say that the location is like Salt Lake City? Salt Lake City works just fine for okay. me. Okay. Um, and we're going to, sp- or maybe we could even, how about, how about this? Since it's big box stores, Park City, particularly the um, outlet malls. <laughs> okay. The outlet malls of Park City. Park City. Is I'm not as familiar fantasy. with Park City, but uh, that's fine. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's good. We can do Park City. Park City. Are, um, okay. What What are our major premises? Um, we've got that um, the connection to the Fey world are um, big box stores, or maybe in this case, play, case also outlet mall stores and things okay. like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's ask this question: Are the um, the the Fey world? Yeah. Is it an invisible world? Is it a world that is you know, like a, a parallel universe that you step through and you're now in, you know, Feyland? I think we have to say it's an invisible world that's part of our world. Okay. Um, I want to go with that just because um, it just feels right to me. So no, that's fine. It, and we okay. can deal with this whole the whole concept that's been talked about before that we, we talked about in our urban fantasy um, podcast that fairies are real. They've been with us all along. And the modern incarnation of them is is dealing so with similar to similar to uh, Spiderwick, where you look through the hole in a, a, a naturally worn hole in a rock, and now you can see the goblins. Yes, we need so our own spin on it. Oh, yeah. I know we need our own yeah. spin mm-hmm. on it. I'm just saying, so the, the Fae are already among us. They are already among us. Already among us, and we are unable to perceive or interact with them. They are the Walmart people. <laughs> and that's oh, why man. they don't fit in real the well. The Fae are frightening. <laughs> they're, 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 those are a type of Fae. Do we okay. want to go there? No, I think we totally That's, should. Yeah. Okay. You know the people that when you go my, to Walmart, My favorite part of the Monster Hunter books by Larry Correa was that the elves were all these, you know, backwoods hicks. And well, they so, were trailer trash elves. Yeah. Let's, is, let's uh, totally have the Fae okay. be the Walmart people. You go to, when you go to Walmart. Which is why they all look like people, they're dressed wrong at 2 the in greeter, the morning. The greeter? Yeah. The, and it, the, have the you ever is, noticed how the greeter, you're not entirely sure that he or she is human? Yeah. I mean, at first oh, glance, you say, oh, that's just an old person. Right. And I'm so glad that, you know, he or she, you know, has a job and a very, very pleasant smile. And oh, my gosh, is that a tail? <laughs> that happens to you guys, doesn't it? Yes, every week. <laughs> every time. Um, and that's Jordo, because... check Howard's medication. <laughs> <laughs> that's because the Fae oh, are we're trying brainstorming. to fit in, I thought this right? was an RPG. Yes, the, the, Fae, the Fae are trying, are trying to, to fit, fit in. in and mm-hmm. they're just not quite good at it yet. Yeah, they, they don't know how to dress. Which mm-hmm. is why they look like they're half Hot Topic, half Salvation Army. Yes. Park City. <laughs> <laughs> That's a oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. 
<coughs> Park City because we have urbanization happening in an area that, uh, you know, in the, just in the last yeah. 40 years was wild. And so, so the wild areas of the world not, don't just have wild animals living in them. They have the fae right. living in them. And as we urbanize them, um, wow, I just turned this into a... a, a you know, yeah, but we're gonna first. we're gonna take it back because they actually love urbanization and commerce, which is why they hang out in the big box stores. Yep, that protects it's them the, from us seeing them because of the the all the constant transactions of money. Is it the constant transactions of money, or is it the fact that you have so many different kinds of products under one roof? You can buy lumber, and okay. you can buy plumbing, and you can buy potted plants, and, and you can buy a gas chips. grill, and a rake, and wood chips. Okay. And okay, so it's this conglomeration of a lot of different topics. It's, it's, it's the modern natural. incarnation of yeah. the ancient market bazaar. Right. Where everything all in one place. Oh, so they're comfortable there. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good it, reasoning for it. Yeah. Okay. We've, we've got something kind of interesting. There's a setting, There's and a we're setting. only four minutes and 45 seconds in. Well, fantastic. All right. um, let, let's, let's delve into characters and just talk about um, what types of characters are common in urban fantasy and why do they work? Um, what are we looking at? Typically, your urban fantasy doesn't deal with a character who is uh, uh, powerful. You're not dealing right. with a prince. You're not dealing with royalty or a knight. You're dealing with... Um, well, like in the Dresden Files novels, he's yeah. a private detective. He's a wizard. You know, he's a member of that sect. Right. Um, but uh, and often urban fantasies are YAs, and so the uh, uh, the protagonists end up being you know kids who are just a couple of years older than the target okay. audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will disagree with that. Well, often I suppose works, but I would say it's just as common um, in urban fantasy for adult. Um, but I think you're right. They, it's it's less. I think the urban fantasies do tend to look toward the everyman aspect a little bit more yeah. um, than the Superman aspect to an extent. I mean, urban fantasy also does have the subgenre of chicks in black leather kicking butt. Yeah, um, which is a huge subgenre. A huge subgenre. But even, you know, we, we could even say Buffy is part of that. Mm-hmm. And Buffy was an everyman mixed with, you know, here are these supernatural powers, now go well, And by. it wasn't just every man, but there was also an element of hero's journey in Buffy, right. where she is every man, but she has inherited the mantle of the Slayer. Right. Um, now, part of what we're doing in this brainstorming right. is going trope fishing and, and picking the ones we like. Right. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of somebody who has gotten a job at a big box store. Okay. And so we're talking about somebody who's working for minimum wage, mm-hmm. um, you know, who comes from that hot topic plus Salvation Army <laughs> culture there that you described. That's uh, well, no, frightening. We need, to make the, we need to make the protagonist an outsider. Well, well no, I, he, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I, let, let me say something really quick. I think that there are two very common character types that you'll see in almost every urban fantasy. Mm -hmm. There's the outsider being introduced to the mystical world and there is the person who crosses easily between both. Okay, yes. And sometimes one is the protagonist and sometimes the other one's the protagonist. Um, And both of those will always be there. If the protagonist crosses easily between worlds, then the newbie is going to be a sidekick who stands in for the reader so we can explain things. If your protagonist is the newbie, then the one who crosses easily is the mentor. Right. Um, I'm going to say we're doing something kind of weird with this whole big box stores. I really do. My gut instinct say we need the newbie to be our main character. Um, okay. Because a lot I of the ones that I see That's that what have I feel like. that moves easily, they can have some really weird setting elements. 
but the tropes are very like mm -hmm. are, are are easy to explain. Well, and just thematically, yeah. if we're talking about a minimum wage worker, having them be the neophyte, yeah. I think makes a lot of sense. Okay, it here, blends here we go. Well, here we go. Um, we've got a newbie. Uh, the newbie is related to. Uh, you know, son of whatever, uh, somebody who owns a hotel there in Park City okay. and gets a job at the big box store, makes friends with somebody at the big box store and gets his friend into a Sundance screening because Sundance happens at Park mm -hmm. City. Yeah. Okay. And the friend from the big box store is actually one of the Faye and is a huge fan of, you know, name a celebrity. Celebrity of the week. Celebrity of the week. Okay. Uh -huh. And got to sit next to them at a screening and now feels that he owes newbie some sort of magical blood oh, debt. Oh, he's got a and boon that's our link. from the Faye. He's got he a got, boon from the Faye. He got him to go in and sit next to Christopher Nolan at a screening of, um, of you know, the new Batman film. Right. Awesome. Okay. Uh -huh. Or Guillermo that's, del Toro. So yeah, there's the screening oh, of the new Hellboy movie and he yeah. sat next oh, to him. Oh my, like, yes. You got that right. Uh -huh. And you got that how right did, too. How did you? How did you do that? Okay. And Guillermo del Toro hold, holds up a little rock with a hole in it. <laughs> okay. No, so, no, 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 no. No, no. Let's boil this down. Um, we've, we've got something really good here because what our plot is becoming is it's becoming um, kind of an Alice in Wonderland type of trope where we've got a main character who has unwittingly gained this powerful boon which is going to give them all kinds of problems. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of the reversal of fortune. It's a monkey's paw yep. sort of thing. The friend thinks he's giving this great boon, but it's going to turn into something just terrible. Um, and, and that isn't actually a, a pretty solid plot for us to go with. You know, the boon is, yeah. I, am, I am granting you, you know, three wishes would be too obvious, but I'm granting you a say in the Fay court for a for hundred years or something like that. Or, or it could be, you introduced me to Guillermo del Toro, I'm going to introduce you to Titania. Yes, or Oberon. Something like that. Yeah. And then that has all, or, you know, Morgan Le Fay, some person that is cool in their world, but incredibly problematic in ours. And, well, yes. and maybe the connection there is that uh, our newbie, our newbie loves reading mm -hmm. and has read some fantasy book that has, you know, character in it and... and uh, uh, and mentions, oh, I'm really loving this book. I really love this character. And friend, the Faye friend yeah. says, oh, well, how would you like to meet her? Yeah. Well, well you introduced me to Guillermo del Toro. I, serious? Of course I am serious. When have I ever lied to you? I am come with me to the lumber. Come with me to the lumber deceit. stacks. Right <laughs> behind the shoes. Yes, behind the shoes. And then she takes a liking to him, and suddenly he's her consort or something like this. Okay, and um, this, see, wait, we're at chapter two now. We need to step back. Yeah, we need to step back from this because. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, Soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. 
American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, first of all, we need to do our book of the week. Yes. Yes, we do. And Dan has our book of the week this week. Our book of the week is Kitty and the Midnight Hour by Carrie Vaughn. Uh, I met Carrie Vaughn. She's a wonderful person. And this book I did not think I would like, uh, but I devoured in... One afternoon. It was great. Uh, the basic premise is that uh, Kitty is the, uh, she has a, a nighttime radio call-in show that is kind of flagging in the ratings. She is also a, a werewolf. And when she starts talking about the supernatural stuff, rather than getting fired, her radio show becomes incredibly popular as various supernatural people who are hiding from the normals start calling in and discussing all of their problems. <laughs> and uh, it's a fantastic book. It's a great series. Kitty and the Midnight Hour by Carrie Vaughn. That's, that's a way better premise than our big box. <laughs> yeah, it I is. Know, kind of makes us look stupid. That's it? all right. You know, ours doesn't actually have to be published. Well, and ours has just taken 10 minutes, well, 30 man minutes of, you know, the brightest minds that yeah, this anyway. living room has to offer. <laughs> Go anyway. to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse uh, to start your 14-day free trial. Support uh, the cast. Absolutely. Um, download a free copy of Kitty in the Midnight Hour, which is a fantastic urban fantasy book, um, which is playing with some of the tropes and taking part in them, but doing something really fun and new with them, which is mm-hmm. what you know we see a lot um, working in urban fantasy. All right. We're gonna so keep we need a story. We, we, but we yes. really need a better character. I really feel we need a stronger character. Who is this person? What, what's going to be different about them that's going to just make them somebody other than our, our generic? Um, is he maybe, you know, college age but not attending college and I, super uh, interested yeah. in... Super interested in what? Uh, What's he interested in that nobody else is interested in? Well, we we, we, we could do a twist on that one and say, you know, college-age slacker living in Park City could be a ski bum slash granola who, once he is introduced to the Fey world, expects them to all be very green, save the earth, and Uh, they're not. (laughs) And so he's interested in something that the fairies are not, and the elves. He wants to, ends up wanting to start a green revolution among the fairies. Um, to preserve their natural habitats, maybe. I mm-hmm. don't know. Um, it, so another thought that occurred to me would be, you know, you mentioned this whole hotel thing and that he's able to get into some of these things. What if he's part of an old family in, um, in Utah that, you know, he's like, you know, a son of one of the Marriott's or something yeah, like that. Yeah, a lot of old silver mining families yeah. in Utah. And they have a tradition that everyone in their family, for reasons they don't explain, has to go get a job at the Walmart. Okay. Because they know about is, this and oh. they initiate their new members by in you know, so he's like, Why do I have to work at the Walmart? I mean, I'm kind of a 
I'm, I'm, a, I'm a ski bum, but I'm also, you know, so it's, up. And, so it's kind of the yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You are, you are a newbie, but you, you also have royal blood or something that's... Well, it could more be like this, the whole idea of we need, we need to make sure that everybody has some familiarity with there because we do business dealings with them. And okay. so, son, okay. you have to go do your apprenticeship working at Walmart... Because yeah. that's going to be important for you someday when you this inherit the company. The, the easiest way for us to tell you about... Well, we picked about Walmart. There isn't a Walmart in... Uh, well, yeah, outlet Park malls. Whatever, yeah. Uh, outlet yeah, malls. Yeah, the outlet yeah. malls. Okay. Whatever it is we decide to go with. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. um, and so, so there, there's kind of... Note a, in Story Bible. Research this better so we know... <laughs> yes. So we know um, exactly where it is the person... Are there shoes it. next to the lumber stack? <laughs> yeah. Um, so one more... Let's give us... What does our main character want out of life? Because um, they, they need a goal other than the plot of the book in order to start feeling and fleshing okay. out more. Okay, the people. you have to go work at Walmart mm-hmm. is there's there's like an inheritance clause, you know, for the trust. Right. You're not a member of the trust until we're cutting you off for two years and you have to go get this job and uh, and, you know, stick it out for two years without... You know, taking handouts or breaking any of these other rules, all of which are designed to get him to, you know, kind right. of meet the fae or whatever. And uh, and so his goal is to get his money. Okay. And maybe his second goal is, uh, you, you know, you talked about the whole green revolution mm-hmm. thing. Maybe his second goal is, man, I hate what my family has done. This is just wrong. You know, they're perpetuating yeah. the urbanization of these mountains. I need to get all of the family's money. I need to destroy the trust and uh, and turn the fae. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. First of all, I like the combination of, you know, moneyed, privileged dude who is also a kind of slacker, hacky sack, granola guy. But uh, then having his ulterior goal be to destroy his family because of their horrible strip mining legacy or whatever, that gives him a really dark edge that I like. Okay. okay. Um, uh, we really don't have much time left, but to go further with this, we have, like Howard said, chapter two, mm-hmm. but we really don't have a major plot of this story yeah. yet. Th- this is the point, yeah. if I were writing this, where I would immediately try to figure out how it's going to end yeah. and then start building toward that. Something what I would do majorly wrong. What I would do is I would try and figure out, you know, what it is, what it, what is it that the Fae want We've talked in general terms from what they like, Mm -hmm. but do they have ulterior motives? Are there plots and politics among men? Is there a really interesting fae character there? And then I start looking at the dialectics introduced, you know, the current generated between these characters, and that drives me towards an ending. Yeah, where I would probably go for this, just off the cuff, he meets with this person, she's assassinated the next day, and a, a subgroup of the Fae who say the, our interactions with the humans are corrupting us and tainting us, you know, pinpoint him as being behind it or maybe the interactions. And suddenly you're part of this big whole Fae war that may be starting because he shook hands with Titania or something like this. It needs to be a major problem mm-hmm. um, for this book to start working okay. into. Cool. And then includes the next year's Sundance Film Festival as your closing climactic scene. Yes, it happens at Sundance. That would be awesome. Um, I do think, why don't we just say this? Um, your writing prompt this week is to take what we've done here. Um, you come need to come up, up with, with a big problem. Yeah. Uh, come up with an ending. What's the big problem? What's the story really about? We know who it's happening to. You have your first few chapters, and you have where it's occurring. Now give us a real story. Alternative writing prompt? 
Okay. Go through the list of films showed at <laughs> oh. shown at Sundance. Pick six and determine why these six are all related to a Fey plot. Wow, that could work too. Alternative, alternative writing plot. Wear banana slugs. Because <laughs> <laughs> the classics will never get old. <laughs> Wear them like across your body, like yes. clothing out of yeah. in public. No, no, we're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> excuses. Thanks, folks. Good night. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.